Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Mark your calendar for this year's Cruise World, taking place November 6th through 8th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Cruise World brings together travel advisors and suppliers through educational workshops, informative general sessions, and its signature one-day exhibitor showcase. To learn more about attending, visit www.cruiseworldshow.com. What's up, everyone? Today is Tuesday, January 30th. Happy National Plan for a Vacation Day. The best way to plan for a vacation, though, is to use a travel advisor. Always, always use a travel advisor. And to my travel advisor listeners, I hope you are spreading the love out there today and planning lots of vacations and staying busy. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Pulse podcast here. Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the email you can reach out to us. We also have a hotline for the show, 201-381-3017 is the Travel Pulse podcast number. One epic vacation idea would be to sail on the new world's largest cruise ship, Icon of the Seas. I just returned from the preview cruise and was blown away. My family of four had a great time, and I'll share more of my thoughts about the ship later on in the show, and we'll hear from Royal Caribbean executives as well. But first, as we do for every episode on the podcast, in case this is your first time listening, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week, and we begin with airline news, and it's more updates on the JetBlue Spirit merger. Could it soon be terminated? Well, time will tell, but JetBlue and Spirit filed a joint court appeal asking the first U.S. Circuit of Appeals to reverse the blocking of their merger and asked to expedite the decision because the merger agreement has an outside closing date of July 24th, 2024. So after the federal judge blocked it, Spirit's stock price fell and Spirit's under a lot of debt too, so they desperately need this. If the merger is ultimately not closed, JetBlue owes Spirit stockholders $470 million in reverse breakup fees. So what will happen next? Well, we'll see if this appeal gets expedited or not, but so far it's not really looking good for the merger. And if I were a betting man, I think by July 24th may not happen. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there working really hard on this. So, you know, good luck to Spirit in this. But so far, right now, not looking all that hot for Spirit on this. Jumping over to other airline travel news, Boeing 737 MAX, the updates on that front. Well, Alaska Airlines has resumed operations on that MAX 9 planes, and the chief operating officer even sat in the seat next to the door panel on that flight there. So good sign there and good for, for, for Boeing, but not so good for Boeing is uh, other airlines uh, dropping them. And the airline CEOs, you know, have been saying that Boeing should be held accountable for these losses that they've been suing and suing because of the you know, not being able to fly the planes and everything. So back and forth on that front. But the airlines are dropping Boeing. We've got Southwest is going to take fewer deliveries of the controversial 737 MAX plane. And they're going to outright eliminate the MAX 7 from its 2024 fleet. This on the heels of United's plans to eliminate the larger MAX 10 from its fleet plans for the year. So as I mentioned on last week's podcast, though, uh, Boeing, they do a ton. You know, I, I think this is still in a this too shall pass phase on this front. And I certainly hope by the summer we're not talking every week about Boeing and their plane issues or anything like that anymore. You know, time will tell there for sure. But right now, it's a lot of Boeing on, on this front. But it's certainly interesting that planes are dropping them. I mean, Southwest did put in, you know, they eliminated Max 7, but they're going to get some more of Max 8. So it's, it's not all, you know, doom and gloom for Bo- Boeing here. You know, I think we're just in that this too shall pass phase and we'll get through this and there'll be different aviation news dominating the headlines later on this year. Hopefully not anything in the chaos front because we've had our fair share of that for years now. Let's get into the happy, good vibes, positive time 
oh my goodness, there's way too many people here at the airport times, which is probably what we're headed for because it's going to be a busy summer. Moving over to destination news, and in that front, Universal dropped new details about Epic Universe this morning. It was a fun way to start the workday there. Big theme park fan here. So it's opening up in 2025, as we've known for a little bit, and it's going to have the one park in hotel. Now we know that that is going to be called Universal Helios Grand Hotel, and it's going to offer 500 rooms. We've got that dedicated park entrance. More on that in a second. But there's, you know, there's been rumors about different world features and what they're going to do and all this, the different parts of the park and everything. And we knew about Nintendo World because they've been building it at other parks around the world too. But now they've made it all official. There's going to be five worlds with Celestial Park being the entrance to it all. It's described as a lush world with gardens, winding pathways, and water features. The design is inspired by myths and legends such as ancient Greek mythology. So that's a cool way to enter in on the park. And they've got these like big grand portal entrance um, that's going to have dining, shopping, and its own attractions, with the main one being the shooting star-themed roller coaster called Starfall Racers. It's a dual racing coaster that reaches speeds of up to 62 miles an hour. It's also going to be Constellation Carousel as a celestial-themed carousel with movement inspired by the rotation of planets. We've got Astronomica as a wet play area that also features the park's Compass Rose. And Celestial Park will also offer three restaurants with Atlantic, a full-service restaurant set inside of a Victorian-styled aquarium, the Blue Dragon Pan Asian Restaurant, and the Oak and Star Tavern, which serves pizza and barbecue. Both foods that I absolutely love. So looking forward to that. Great way to enter the park. you got a lot of food right up front that you can grab, you know, too, as you, you want to exit. You've also got the um, dedicated hotel entrance on that, too. But the other worlds, that's what we want to know. What's, what's the rest of the park going to be like, Eric? The other worlds are including the much-anticipated Super Nintendo World, as I said. But we've also got the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. It's official. It's a Ministry of Magic there. And it's also How to Train Your Dragon, Isle of Burke. And lastly, the Dark Universe, where guests encounter everything from the experiments of Dr. Victoria Frankenstein to the shadowy landscape where monsters roam in a world of myth and mystery. I absolutely love this. Universal dropped a seven-minute video on YouTube, so go check that out if you're a fan of the theme parks. Uh, Looking at the park map and the image they released on that, the hotel entrance is going to have the Wizarding World of Harry Potter to the left when you come in, and then the Dark Universe to the right. Interesting setup there. It's all it's very close up to it in the park map. So, you know, the scale of that and everything on this rendering. But I'm curious what type of views all these rooms are going to have. You know, the ones obviously facing the park are going to be epic, of course. Uh, but it's going to be interesting once they release the price point on on those rooms and versus the rest of the hotel and as well as the ones located adjacent to the new park, the Universal Stella Nova Resort and the Universal Terra Luna Resort. All exciting times ahead for Universal Orlando brand new park can't wait for that 2025 can't wait to them to decide what day what day of the year in 2025 is that going to open up because that's next year I, i'm no i'm very excited for this so in time it shall come but uh it's a cool thing where they're going with like different uh worlds and you enter these like portals into the world so check out the image up on travelpulse.com and over on youtube definitely watch that universal video if you are a fan of the theme parks In other destination news, the U.S. Embassy issued a travel alert for the Bahamas in the wake of recent violence. 18 murders have occurred in Nassau since the beginning of 2024, officials stated in their alert. It's important to note, though, that the Bahamas continues to receive a level two travel advisory from the U.S. State Department. So this is just an alert, an advisory, letting the people know what's going on. Meanwhile, in Mexico, the Mexican Navy was called into Tulum to reinforce security as crime rises. The mayor also mentioned that patrols would increase in tourism areas throughout the year and that remote surveillance cameras would be increased throughout Tulum. 
So with the Tulum International Airport expected to open this springtime, preventing crime from hindering the national image and they open for tourism and the business that they're trying to get going, you know, this is absolutely a necessity on this. But again, important to note, this region is also still at a level two travel advisory. So increased caution for travel, but it's not a do not travel. It's not a deter from travel on this. It's just information that is out there. So just be smart when you travel, you know, there's risks in everyday life. These headlines, you know, they may sound scary, you know, but they're, and they're important to share, but this isn't going to stop me, you know, me from traveling. It's not going to stop a lot of people from, from wanting to visit Tulum, you know, especially with the new airport opening up, nor does it really, and you've got the Maya train as well in that whole region and expanding, you know, tourism and other parts of Mexico. And it's not going to deter people, you know, from the desire to, to visit the Bahamas as that is high on a lot of people's bucket lists. You know, both of these are beautiful destinations that receive tons of tourists, but crime happens. Crime happens everywhere. So just be smart when you travel, stay away from the bad neighborhoods, you know, follow your tour guides when you're out one and stuff. So follow the advice of your travel advisor and your trusted travel advisor. So just be smart. That wraps up what has been trending in the world of travel, a little bit of it at least. There's always tons of travel news out there. So subscribe to our travel daily newsletter. And any additional thoughts on podcast stuff here, drop me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com. Now, before I share my thoughts on the world's largest cruise ship, Let's hear from some Royal Caribbean executives about Icon of the Seas. First up, hear my interview with Vicki Freed, SVP of Sales Trade Support for Royal Caribbean. Mark your calendar for this year's Cruise World, taking place November 6th through 8th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Cruise World brings together travel advisors and suppliers through educational workshops, informative general sessions, and its signature one-day exhibitor showcase. To learn more about attending, visit www.cruiseworldshow.com. Here with the lovely Vicki Freed, Senior Vice President of Sales and Trade Support for Royal Caribbean. We're on Icon of the Seas, the world's largest cruise ship. So what about this ship beyond being the world's largest makes it so iconic? Well, I think it's the entire ship. When you think about all of the years of building the ship and thinking about it, uh, it's really been a seven-year passion project. And here it is now, and it flows so easily. So no matter how large it is, it's easy to get around, and you never feel like you're crowded in because it's so spacious and open. A lot of glass, as you can see, when you're on the Royal Promenade, you see glass windows on both sides. And so it's a very open, spacious ship. And lots of neighborhoods too. Yes, eight distinct neighborhoods, very unique. And I think we're on the preview sailing right now. There's like 4,000 people here, but you cannot feel that there are that many people here. So the flow is great. But let's talk about some of the dining aspects. What really stands out on this ship? Well, I think we've, we've moved around some of the dining venues, the, the traditional dining venues. So Izumi, which used to be down uh, on, on a different deck on the Oasis class, is now in the park. It's in Central Park. There's a grab-and-go sushi uh, outlet, and then there's all beautiful hibachi tables. So there's so much on the park, including, of course, chops. And then we have Lou's, which is our new jazz concept, and that's also in the park. And then we've moved some of the traditional restaurants like Giovanni's, which is our Italian restaurant, onto the Royal Prom. And so it's really quite an open uh, open experience on dining. Yeah, I, Royal Caribbean is very well known for their entertainment on board. So what really stands out on Icon as far as the entertainment aspects? Well, Wizard of Oz, um, it's everyone's favorite, and it is really a fantastic production, uh, as well as our Aquadome, which is our Aqua Theater, which has been re, uh, relocated to the front of the ship, and it's covered. And so we are doing amazing Aqua Theater shows, and then we have the Ice Arena, 
And uh, we also have just music everywhere. And that's what awesome people love. It's just different venues and bars that have its music. It's great. And this ship is being, you know, promoted out as uh, the ultimate family vacation. So can you talk about Surfside a little bit and how that really separates out from other ships? So Surfside is our dedicated family neighborhood. Doesn't mean you have to be a family to stay there, but it is really a great venue, a great neighborhood for families. So there are lots of restaurants there. Uh, there are mocktail bars for the children because the adults can have a regular cocktail and uh, lots of fun venues. We even have a special cruise director now on board for the kids, Admiral Awesome. And he tells these amazing stories, bedtime stories out in the... Uh, Surfside neighborhood around eight o'clock in the evening and it's audience participation. He makes it a lot of fun and there's pools of all different uh, and pools that are different shallow and deeper pools so for kids of all ages. But you know, one thing we're really proud of, Eric, is that we have lifeguards throughout the entire ship. We have them at every pool. And so it's not just the kids area, but the adult pools. And, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on safety. So having lifeguards on our, all of our ships fleet wide, as well as perfect day at Coco Cay is very important to us. And now let's shift gears on what's looking forward in 2024. What else are you excited about? Cause this was a passion project. You just said icon. Now it's here and people are loving it. It's booking out really fast, so book, book now. <laughs> uh, but what about the rest of 2024? What are you looking forward to? Uh, Utopia of the Sea is in July. She's our newest ship. Uh, she's an Oasis class. She'll be out of Port Canaveral on three and four day cruises. And so that's new to have a brand new Oasis class ship be brought into service on three and four day cruises. And, you know, the reason why three and four day cruises are important to you, the travel professional, as well as to the consumer is because it's the on-ramp to getting new to cruise. It's the way to introduce cruising in a short period of time, a relatively reasonable amount of money so that people can really just experiment and try cruising. And we know once they cruise with us, they're going to fall in love with cruising as a vacation. Yes, they're big Travi winners. You guys are 11. The last one, I think this one is going to be up there potentially <laughs> too. So it's a very highly anticipated ship. Um, so lastly, just what is your message to travel advisors in 2024? What would you want them to know and anything else you're passionate about right now? Well, first of all, I always want travel advisors to know that we're here to serve you. We want to help you become successful because the one thing at Royal Caribbean that we know is that when you're successful, we're successful. But I do want to give you a little sales tip, and that is don't be afraid of the price point. Consumers will spend the money to go on a vacation as long as there's a good ROI on the vacation dollar. And the one thing at Royal Caribbean, we may not be the lowest in price, but we offer the best return on the vacation dollar. So, you know, Focus on value because that's what consumers want. They remember the experience. So it's not what they paid, it's the value that they got. Excellent. Thank you so much, Vicki. Really appreciate Thank you, it. Eric. Now we'll hear some comments from Michael Bailey, President and CEO of Royal Caribbean International, and Jason Liberty, President and CEO for Royal Caribbean Group. These come from the President's QA with media on board the Icon of the Seas last Wednesday, January 24th. What does the future hold? Are we going to see even bigger? And what will we see from Royal Caribbean? You know, it's it, a lot of people always kind of focus on the size. Um, and, and for us, I think we really focus on the experience. Um, and what is the experience we're trying to deliver for, you know, our different segments and for the Royal Caribbean brand, obviously the family, multi-generational, and how do we just build a platform to be able to do that? Um, we also need to remember that there are port there are port constraints, and this ship has a similar footprint uh, to our Oasis class, which a lot of the ports around the world have been designed to. Um, and so, you know, there's, um, you can always go, you know, 
bigger, but it's 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 less about the size. It's more about um, the experience that we're trying to deliver. Yeah, I think for the brand, you know, we continually focus on uh, customers and the guest experience, and um, you know, we're very much multi generational family. This idea of families come together, they sail with Royal Caribbean, their kids, their grandkids. They, they can go up during the day and find spaces and places that are custom designed for them, for that segment, and have an incredible experience. And they can come together, eat a lunch or dinner on the show every single evening as a family unit or a group unit and have an incredible time together. And I think, you know, this multi-generational focus, we've really paid even more attention to it for Icon of the Seas. If you think about suicide, Suicide is absolutely, you know, unapologetically focused on young families with children, literally six and under. And we've designed it so the little kids can go and have an amazing day. You know, you look at the colors, it's kind of crazy down there. You know, you, you need aspirin after about 30 minutes if you're getting older. But it's just, it just works for little kids. They go there, they love it, it's exciting. There's plenty for them to do. It's very safe. You know, it's just a wonderful space for them. But we've also designed bars and food and beverage for mum and dad. So mum and dad can go and, and, you know, have a few drinks or, you know, more than a few drinks. And they can keep an eye on their kids and their kids know where they are. So it's really, it's, it's a beautiful space. And a lot of the stateroom accommodation around Surfside is, again, custom designed for young families. And hopefully you have an opportunity to go and look at the stateroom categories that we've created on Icon of the Seas. 80% of the rooms on Icon are, are capable of accommodating families. On a typical Oasis class, it's around 25-30%. So you can see it's really a focus and the journey that we've been on and continue to be on into the multi-generational family. And we think it's really working. When you combine it with Perfect Day, which if you haven't seen Perfect Day today, hopefully we're not going to spend too long in this room. Um, you know, you'll get a chance to go ashore on Perfect Day. Same thing. If you've got kids, boom, they're going to love you more than ever before. It's a guarantee. I mean, we've designed Perfect Day to be a perfect day for mum, dad, and the kids. There's thrill, there's chill, plenty of spaces for adults for the new Hideaway Bay, which is adults only. If you're an adult only, then you can go into Hideaway and have a fantastic time. Hopefully you'll get a chance to see that today. You think about getting on Icon of the Seas with your family and then going to Perfect Day. Oh, wow. It's amazing. Wonderful. I would normally say let's tackle the elephant in the room, but in this case, it's the dog. So we've got a rover question. Where is my rover? not in the room, I'm sorry. Have you seen rover yet? No. Well, that's the way it works. <laughs> so rover is like a movie star. Uh, she's very beautiful. I mean, if you like, you know, she's beautiful. Like she's what? If you like blondes. Yeah, if you like blondes. <laughs> she's, she's just a beautiful dog. And she's so loving and affectionate and friendly. And as soon as Rover, as soon as people see Rover, she gets mobbed. It's kind of bizarre. You know, everybody wants to see Rover. So we're thinking of getting some bouncers, you know, some, <laughs> some sunglasses and stuff. But Rover, uh, Rover goes into Surfside, obviously, for the little kids, and the little kids go crazy. The only problem with Rover is if you don't have a golden retriever at home, you will have to get one after you leave Icon of the Seas because the kids are like, oh, mommy, daddy, I want one of those dogs. Rover is the chief dog officer for Icon of the Seas. It's a high-level executive position. Comes with a lot of responsibility. Her main focus is happiness and joy. 
Uh, but she's doing, I've got to tell you, she's really doing a great job. So we may promote her to uh, probably an admiral in the coming years. If she keeps on the track she's on, she's, you know, she's got a coach, a trainer, a vet, dietitian, bodyguard, and uh, the chief of staff. <laughs> I could keep going on for hours with this stupidity. <laughs> The bottom line is, she's a beautiful dog. You will see her, but we don't have a schedule for her yet. And we're actually learning how to protect Rover and make sure Rover's happy and also make sure Rover can bring joy and happiness. So you'll see her hopefully in the next couple of days. She's beautiful. I would just add, if you want to see somebody act like a three-year-old, uh, just watch Michael when that dog comes by. He goes right into that baby voice. It doesn't matter what he's doing. And then Rover just turns around and walks away from it. <laughs> <laughs> wanting, for, wanting more. Okay, we've got a question from Jack Carter. Can you talk to us a little about, about the work that's been done behind the scenes to reduce overcrowding on board and improve mobility? I understand there's a lot of work that's gone into the tech behind the elevators. Yeah, I mean, the elevators, we're incredibly happy with the elevators. And that is the latest tech. They use a lot of data analytics, of course, the, you know, the word you hear all the time, but they, you know, you think about it, you go press the button, it tells you the, the elevator to go to, and everybody seems to find it very intuitive, simple, and it is incredibly efficient. It moves people far more comfortably and rapidly than the old-fashioned elevator system, which now, if you go back to, you know, wherever you, your office buildings and you've got that old-fashioned elevator system where you, somebody presses the button and then everybody, you know, Climbs it, you'll think to yourself, God, that's just so old fashioned. <laughs> so, a lot of work went into the elevator system, but also the ship is the evolution of the brand's work with many of our classes of ships. And when you think about the neighborhood concept, that neighborhood concept is very much based upon how we know people go through their days and evenings in terms of entertainment, activities, dining. So we know when we create these specific neighborhoods, those neighborhoods draw a lot of people into them. You know, one of the concerns people have, for example, is, well, if I sail an icon, there's too many kids. But we've got the largest water park in the planet at sea on icon. You know, literally, we know we can put 1,500 kids in a state of absolute euphoria through that water park in an hour. I mean, that's a lot of kids who are not only happy, but not bugging them anywhere else on the ship. Surfside is custom designed for young families with little kids. So we know when we create these spaces, they draw guests because naturally they make, it makes sense to go to those spaces. And so when you think about the multiple neighborhoods we have, they all serve a purpose. The primary purpose is to make people happy, but they also have an impact on flow of people, including the entertainment spaces and the app. There's absolute zero, and then we can have two different set quite different locations, Aquadome and the Royal Theatre. Every night we have a dinner and a show. So you can go to any different, any one of the different restaurants on board and every night you can go to a different show and there's three different stunning venues along with Julian Pianos and all the other entertainment activities, the musical, etc. So we, we do do a lot of work in planning out how, to, how people flow through an experience and enjoy themselves. The only thing I, I just want to add, because I, I think it's interesting, if you take the elevators as an example, which as Michael said is the latest tech, we're also, we're also learning, right? So there's a lot of AI behind the elevators, and as 
each day goes by and we see the flow of people, you know, those elevators get smarter and smarter in terms of how they should be operating. And, and the, you know, the product team and the operational teams are watching also the flow of the people um, through infrared and other things to understand the flow and see what adjustments uh, need to be made. Because you know, the ship will start off at what, about 80% or so? And then, you know, really kind of ramps itself up over several months so they understand how to make sure the flow is perfect. And you can really see through the course of this ship, um, relative to our, our other classes of ships, on how people can really flow level by level without having room to the ends of the ships in order to get up, up, up. And you can see that through the promenade, into the, through the Pearl, into the Pearl Cafe, into Central Park. Uh, you can even, you know, also go uh, out to Surfside, etc. So it's... A lot of connectivity to make sure that flow also stays off of the elevators. We've got a question in the audience back there, Nathaniel. Oh, I just, on the elevators, anecdotally, I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, these take a long time. Gee, it's really slow. So can you speak to that a little bit in terms of intentionally how you plan to improve the elevator experience? Part of it is probably people just don't know how to use them. I can acknowledge that. But what is the plan to make sure that it is actually faster? Do you have stats on that? Well, we do have the stats that it's faster than the traditional elevator. And these elevators have more capacity in terms of their ability to move people. I think to Jason's point, one of the things that, one of the reasons we do these multiple, we call them shakedown or preview cruises, is that we, uh, can, we, increase the load factor, we increase the number of people who sail with us. Today there's about 4,000 guests on board. The ship has the capability for 7,600 people. We won't reach that peak in probably until the summer. So what happens is, as the weeks pass and more and more people come on board, we learn from the flow of people. We have all of the data because of the tech that stands behind that elevator system. It's really a question of us doing the analytics to understand how we can tweak and improve. And that's how we operate the entire ship. You know, we open up the restaurants and we manage capacity in the restaurants. And then as we begin to understand how it all flows and how the galley operates and the service and how everything is delivered, and more importantly, the feedback we get from the customers. So we do do comic cards electronically at the end of each of these preview shakedowns and we get a massive amount of feedback. The first two shakedown cruises were only employees and their families and we carried around 8,000 people. And the feedback from them, we, we were very clear. We asked them to be as blunt as they possibly could. Because you can imagine if you, if you design a brand new home and you move into it, it takes a while to get that home functioning as you would want it to be. Think about how vast this ship is. And it does take us a few weeks to get everything figured out. We've got great teams. We've got a huge amount of experience. So it's a pretty fast process. But... It's very important for us that we get all of that feedback. So on the elevators, you know, anything that's not working to a customer satisfaction level today, and we see all that in the data that comes from the customer, we'll get that, that, that fixed pretty quickly. Just the other quick point I wanted to add on the elevator, and I know this is a super exciting uh, <laughs> uh, part of the ship. Um, two points, one of which is there is the waiting for the elevator, but there's also not having to stop at seven floors. So it's really measuring from the time you press the button to you actually get to your destination. I also think just because I think, you know, obviously the environment is really important. Um, this kind of um, technology, which of course is, is very much machine learning, just as it comes out, is 30% more energy efficient um, than other elevators. 
and we deliver entertainment across the fleet with the live production. But you think about the, the, the just the ice skating, the ice shows alone. We have more Olympic medalists in our ice production team than anywhere else on the planet. You know, we have gold medalists, silver medalists, bronze medalists because of their skills. So it's a really, it's quite a giant, complex operation, and it requires a massive amount of discipline to operate that whole area. You know, our live entertainment, we have thousands of live entertainment entertainers, comedians, magicians, entertain music. It's really kind of a vast world that Nick uh, leads, and we have a huge number of experts and specialists in that area. We have a very large facility in South Florida, which is the where we do all of our uh, rehearsals for our live entertainment, the shows, the production shows. Uh, and again, it's, it's an amazing facility where we have incredibly creative and artistic people who are working together. So Nick is the leader of the band, and um, he is, uh, you know, drives all of this forward with a great team. Uh, on a budget, there's, you know, of course, there's always a budget for everything. And there's a budget for entertainment on Icon. I think if you were talking to Nick, you know, we we wanted to make sure that the entertainment on Icon really, again, ticked the box, that it really delivered the kind of experience that people expect from all Caribbean. And so it's always further. It's an evolution. There's more entertainment. There's there's more allocated to entertainment. The Wizard of Oz, you know, I don't know whether you've seen Wizard of Oz yet. But, but hopefully you get a chance to see it. It's really a, it's a fantastic show. Many of the comments we've heard back on Wizard of Oz is, wow, that is a gazillion times better than any Broadway Wizard of Oz that we've seen. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because if you go to Broadway, their theaters are pretty, you know, old. <laughs> which, there's nothing wrong with being old, but, you know, the, the facilities aren't even as good. If you look at our facilities, they're state of the art. We've got the latest tech. We got the we've got the latest everything in terms of these these entertainment facilities. Look at Aquaton and the and Absolute Zero. That is absolutely the latest cutting edge tech that we use for entertainment, whether it's lighting, whatever these elements are. So those are some thoughts from the executives during the onboard press panels and in my interview with Vicky. So my thoughts, well. Icon of the seas. Wow. I mean, just one word is wow. I mean, it's the biggest cruise ship. We pulled up into, you know, perfect day of Coco Cay and got off the boat and you see it next to Vision of the Seas and just the imagery there of it's like, wow, I mean, the Vision, that's a big ship, but Icon looks like it's like double of it. So the ship is massive. But as Vicky said, you know, the flow really does not adhere to that. I mean, you don't feel that it, but granted, I was, as I said earlier, you know, only on there with 4000 people, but the movement back and forth, the elevators and the way the tech they use and the way they describe that is absolutely fantastic and just moving massive amounts of people because, you know, I got out of that Wizard of Oz show, which is incredible, as he teased a little bit there. But I, I got to say that is next level Broadway. Like it is better. It, he said, you know, I he said that before we saw it, that a lot of people were saying it's better than Broadway, which, you know, it heightened my expectations of the show, I will say. But Wow, they they delivered on that front. So uh, a lot of people, if you're theater fans, you know you definitely want to put that on your travel list to, to check out that show. But overall, I mean, we had yeah. After that, there was like a thousand people that descended out of that theater after that happened, and the flow seemed pretty fine. You know, I I walked up to my room, but then I walked back down a couple minutes later, and it was it was gone because I had to go take some more pictures of everything. But 
this ship is beautiful. I mean, it's brand new. You're going to have great amenities. You're going to have a great seemingly everything, right? There's options are endless on this ship. So World does it big with entertainment. So it did not disappoint on that. Uh, the family view of it, because I did travel with my four-year-old daughter and my one-year-old son, they loved the splash areas and the playground stuff and just everything that really came with Surfside. So it's nice to have that full dedicated fam family side, a little bit to the younger scale as well, because you're going to have, you know, a lot of the uh, kids jumping over on those water parks, you know, six record-breaking water slides. So the ship is phenomenal. It is a destination unto itself. And if you are huge on cruising, you've got to get this on your bucket list of cruising and check this off because this ship is iconic. That wraps up the podcast this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, I would greatly appreciate it. That does it for this week's show. We'll be talking family travel coming up next week and a lot more exciting things ahead in the month of February. Wow, January certainly just flew by, didn't it? So thanks again for listening. Have a great week.